Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our text, <laughs> our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to about 10.50 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 31, The Simplicity of Salvation, with Section 6, Recognizing the Spirit. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 333. Forgiveness ends the dream of conflict here. We'll be looking for someone to lead our reflection at the top of the hour this morning as Fran is chauffeuring her brother to a physician appointment this morning. So if anyone would like to give some thought to leading that reflection this morning, we'd sure be grateful. By way of opening this morning, there seems no better place today than to begin with this poem from Helen Schuckman in her book, The Gifts of God. The poem is the singing reed. My eyes would look upon the Son of God, for this I came, to overlook the world and seeing it forgiven, Understand, its holiness is but the truth in me. The Christ walks forth in every step I take. God shines within me, lighting up the world in radiant joy. The Holy Spirit comes with me, lest I should turn and lose the way. For God has given me a goal to reach, and has made certain that I cannot fail. And so, he gave me eyes to see beyond appearances and shadows. I will see the Son of God exactly as he is. And in that sight is all the world transformed and blessed forever with the love of God. How holy are my footsteps, which but go to do the will of God whose Son I am, and how forever perfect is my will, which is in no way separate from his own. My eyes would look upon the Son of God, for this I came. And happily, forgiveness ends the dream of conflict here. Amen. Thank you, Lori. That was helpful. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, thanks. I love that poem. Okay, my friends, here's the reading list this morning. We have Lemoyne, Donna, Jessica, Micah, and Robin Marie. And who else has joined us would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning. I can read if you need me. Go You bet, Harrison. Thank you. And good morning. Okay, 
So, here we go again in chapter 31. The Simplicity of Salvation, section 6. Recognizing the Spirit. Paragraph 62. You see the flesh or recognize the Spirit. There is no compromise between the two. If one is real, the other must be false, for what is real denies its opposite. There is no choice in vision but this one. What you decide in this determines all you see and think is real and hold is true. On this one choice does all your world depend, for here you have established what you are as flesh or spirit in your own belief. If you choose flesh, you never will escape the body as your own reality, for you have chosen that you want it so. But choose the spirit, and all heaven bends to touch your eyes and bless your holy sight, that you may see the world of flesh no more, except to heal and comfort and bless. Lemoyne. Thirty-one, Simplicity, Salvation. Section 6, Recognizing the Spirit. You see the flesh or recognize the spirit. There is no compromise between the two. If one is real, the other must be false. But what is real denies its opposite. There is no choice in vision but this one. What you decide in this determines all you see and think is real and hold is true. On this one choice does all your world depend, for here have you established what you are, as flesh or spirit in your own belief. If you choose flesh, you will never escape the body as your own reality, for you have chosen that you want it so. But tis the spirit and all heaven bends to touch your eyes, and bless your holy sight, that you may see the world of flesh no more, except to heal and comfort and to bless. Salvation is undoing. If you choose to see the body, you behold a world of separation, unrelated things, and happenings that make no sense at all. This one appears and disappears in death, that one is doomed to suffering and loss. And no one is exactly as he was an instant previous, nor will he be the same as he is now an instant hence. Who could have trust where so much change is seen? For who is worthy if he be but dust? Salvation is the undoing of all this and constancy arises in the sight of those whose eyes salvation has released from looking at the cost of keeping guilt because they chose to let it go instead. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Donna. Uh, could you be on mute? There you are. Yeah. Uh, my keys are lazy this morning. Uh, <clears throat> 63. 
Salvation is undoing. If you choose to see the body, you you behold a world of separation, unrelated things, and happenings that make no sense at all. This one appears and disappears in death. That one is doomed to suffering and loss. And no one is exactly as he was an instant previous. <clears throat> Nor will he be this, this same as he is now an instant hence. Who could have trust where so much change is seen? Or who is worthy if he be but dust? Salvation is undoing of all this, and consistency arises in the sight of those whose eyes salvation has revealed from looking at the cost of keeping guilt because they choose to let it go instead. 64. Salvation does not ask that you behold the spirit and perceive the body not. It merely asks that this should be your choice, for you can see the body without help, but do not understand how to behold the world apart from it. It is your world salvation will undo and let you see another world your eyes could never find. Be not concerned how this could be. You do not understand how what you see arose to meet your sight. For if you did, it would be gone. The veil of ignorance is drawn across the evil and the good and must be passed that both may disappear so that perception finds no hiding place. How is this done? It is not done at all. What could there be within the universe which God created that must still be done? Thank you, Donna and Jessica. Thanks, Lori. 64. Salvation does not ask that you behold the spirit and perceive the body not. It merely asks that this should be your choice. For you can see the body without help, but do not understand how to behold a world apart from it. It is your world salvation will undo and let you see another world your eyes could never find. Be not concerned how this could ever be. You do not understand how what you see arose to meet your sight. For if you did, it would be gone. The veil of ignorance is drawn across the evil and the good and must be passed that both may disappear so that perception finds no hiding place. How is this done? It is not done at all. What could there be within the universe which God created that must still be done. 65. Only in ignorance could you conceive that you must make the way to heaven plain. 
The means are given you by which to see the world that will replace the one you made. Your will be done. In heaven as on earth, this is forever true. It matters not where you believe you are or what you think the truth about yourself must really be. It makes no difference what you look upon nor what you choose to feel or think or wish. For God himself has said, your will be done, and it is done to you accordingly. Thank you, Jessica. And Micah. Okay, uh, 65. Only in arrogance could you conceive that you must make the way to heaven plain. The means are given you by which to see the world that will replace the one you made. Your will be done. In heaven as on earth, this is forever true. It matters not where you believe you are, nor what you think the truth about yourself must really be. It makes no difference what you look upon nor what you choose to feel or think or wish. For God himself has said, Your will be done, and it is done to you accordingly. 66. You who believe that you can choose to see the Son of God as you would have him be, forget not that no concept of yourself will stand against the truth of what you are. Undoing truth would be impossible. But concepts are not difficult to change. One vision clearly seen that does not fit the picture as it was perceived before will change the world for eyes that learn to see because the concept of the self has changed. Are you invulnerable? Then the world is harmless in your sight. Do you forgive? Then is the world forgiving, for you have forgiven it its trespasses, and so it looks on you with eyes that see as yours. Are you a body? So is all the world perceived as treacherous and out to kill. Thank you, Micah. And Robin Marie. Sixty-six. You who believe that you can choose to see the Son of God as you would have him be, forget not that no concept of yourself will stand against the truth of what you are. Undoing the truth would be impossible. But concepts are not difficult to change. One vision, clearly seen, that does not fit the picture as it was perceived before, will change the world for eyes that learn to see, because the concept of the self has changed. Are you invulnerable? Then the world is harmless in your sight. Do you forgive? Then is the world forgiving. For you have forgiven it its trespasses, and so it looks on you with eyes that see as yours. 
Are you a body? So is all the world perceived as treacherous and out to kill. 67. Are you a spirit, deathless and without the promise of corruption and the stain of sin upon you? So the world is seen as stable, fully worthy of your trust, a happy place to rest in for a while, where nothing need be feared, but only loved. Who is unwelcome to the kind in heart? And what could hurt the truly innocent? Your will be done, you holy child of God. It does not matter if you think you are in earth or heaven. What your Father wills for you can never change. The truth in you remains as radiant as a star, as pure as light, as innocent as love itself. And you are worthy that your will be done. Thank you, Robin Marie and Harrison. 67. Are you a spirit, deathless, and without the promise of corruption and the stain of sin upon you? So the world is seen as stable, fully worthy of your trust, a happy place to rest in for a while, where nothing need be feared but only love. Who is unwelcome to the kind and heart? And what can hurt the truly innocent? Your will be done, you holy child of God. It does not matter if you think you are in earth or heaven. What your Father wills for you can never change. The truth in you remains as radiant as a star, as pure as light as innocent as love itself. And you are worthy that your will be done. Thank you, Harrison. And I think I see where several have joined us. Um, And I'm wondering, to those who have joined us, would either of you Uh, enjoy finishing with that last paragraph again or both sure this is Sandra I can do that thanks Sandra are you a split sorry are you a spirit deathless and without the promise of corruption and the stain of sin on you though the world is seen as stable, fully worthy of your trust, a happy place to rest in for a while, where nothing need be feared, but only loved. Who is unwelcome to the kind in heart, and what could hurt the truly innocent? Your will be done, your holy chi- you holy child of God. It does not matter if you think you are in earth or heaven, 
What your Father wills for you can never change. The truth in you remains as radiant as a star, as pure as light, as innocent as love itself. And you are worthy that your will be done. Amen. Indeed. And anyone else like to read that again? Who hasn't had a chance yet this morning? Okay. Then um, I'll touch a few of these beautiful nuggets, if you don't mind, from Section 6, Recognizing the Spirit. You see the flesh and recognize the spirit. There is no compromise between the two. If one is real, the other must be false, for what is real denies its opposite. There is no choice in vision but this one, and what you decide in this determines all you see and think is real and hold is true. Choose the spirit, and all heaven bends to touch your eyes and bless your holy sight that you may see the world of flesh no more except to heal and comfort and bless. In paragraph 66, salvation is undoing. If you choose to see the body, you behold a world of separation, unrelated things and happenings that make no sense at all. Salvation is undoing of all of this. In 64, salvation does not ask that you behold the spirit and perceive the body not. It merely asks that this should be your choice. It is your world salvation will undo and let you see another world your eyes could never find. Be not concerned with how this could ever be. You do not understand how what you see arose to meet your sight, for if you did, it would be gone. In 65, only in arrogance could you conceive that you must make the way to heaven plain. The means are given you by which to see the world that will replace the one you made. Your will be done. 66, you who believe that you can choose to see the Son of God as you would have him be, forget not that no concept of yourself will stand against the truth of what you are. One vision clearly seen that does not fit the picture as it was perceived before will change the world for eyes that learn to see because the concept of the self has changed. Are you invulnerable? Then the world is harmless in your sight. Do you forgive? Then is the world forgiving for you have forgiven its trespasses and so it looks on you with eyes that see as yours. Are you a body? So is all the world perceived as treacherous and out to kill. And finally, paragraph 67, are you a spirit, deathless and without the promise of corruption and the stain of sin upon you? So the world is seen as stable, fully worthy of your trust, a happy place to rest in for a while, where nothing need be feared but only loved. Who is unwelcome to the kind in heart? and what could hurt the truly innocent. Your will be done, you holy child of God. 
It does not matter if you think you are in heaven or earth. What your Father wills for you can never change. The truth in you, the truth in you remains as radiant as a star, as pure as light, as innocent as love itself. And you are worthy that your will be done. Amen. The floor is open, and I'll just ask uh, again, since Fran is with her brother this morning, uh, if there might be a volunteer at the top of the hour to lead our lesson or reflection, if you could think about that. Thank you. And the floor is open. This is Donna. This this section is mind-blowing. I saw in 67, paragraph 67, so the world is seen as unstable. Oh, no, here. So the world is seen as stable, fully worthy of your trust, a happy place to rest and for a while where nothing need be feared but only loved. <clears throat> On my drive back from Kentucky in the torrential rains, and I mean torrentially, torrential, I was aware that I was smiling, that I was had a sense of joy. And um, I said, oh, okay. This is what it's like to have no fear. Because I had earlier recognized <clears throat> the anxiety and fear I used to have, um, feeling incompetent in my driving, even though humanly I'm a very good driver. And I would be just full of hysteria, sometimes have to pull off the road to, to get a hold of myself so I could think, oh, yeah, you can do this. No, not so. Not so this time. It's just an extraordinary thing to be doing something that's supposed to be stressful and to have doubts about yourself, and you don't. And you now have no fear of failing, and you do look out at others with love. <clears throat> because I was praying uh, that the same prayer I prayed for myself. <clears throat> and the other thing during that same period in that drive, I mentioned uh, yesterday about the idea of potentially uh, being in an accident. And it, I had this far away questioning, uh, this far away, far away thing in my mind was, okay, are you ready? Are you ready to give up and leave the body? It wasn't words. It was a sense. And I realized I had a check in my spirit that, oh, no, I, I want to keep going in the flesh for some unknown reason because I was not happy to be back here in Connecticut when I got here. So, but what came to me later was another comment that's come to me that we can't do anything that hasn't already be prearranged by God. And this last sentence tells me because none of this existed. 
<laughs> so I don't know which paragraph that was, but I thought, okay. Because um, I'm doing the truth as possible in 66. So then I said, then instead of feeling, condemning myself, which I began, started to do, because I really wasn't ready to give up the body and leave here. But earlier in this same very same reading, it tells us what the body is for, or was yesterday's. The body is solely, once you do attain a certain level, literally at the use of the Holy Spirit. So the check in my spirit wasn't me still wanting to live here. I look at it as the Holy Spirit and Jesus giving me, no, Donna, don't, don't, don't say yes yet. We need you here. So I am complete. Oh, that's just really a happy testimony. Thank you, Donna. <laughs> I love it, Donna. Great, great story about the driving. I, I've been in those situations, and it can be pretty terrifying. So that's beautiful. Yes, Donna, thank you. What encouragement. Thank you, Donna. Thanks, Donna. Oh, this is Micah. The uh, first paragraph, you see the flesh or recognize the spirit, is, is one of my favorite paragraphs. Um, and and I, I was a little surprised as I was looking at my date, how I was having the paragraph kind of resonate within me in an emotional way, but it was kind of in a conceptual way. And uh, so what I started asking myself, what does it mean right in this experience right now to see the flesh or to recognize the spirit? And it, I started to see it was all about identification. If I'm, if I'm identified, I was starting to see I was identified as in the body and as a um, communication medium in space-time. And in the spirit, I hadn't really even, in an experiential way, hadn't really even lifted my awareness or turned the lens of uh, the lens of awareness in the direction of spirit or mind. It became a little more real when I started to sense mind. 
um, it's it's just a, a a realm where you know there's been experiences, so it kind of resonates with that. Um, and then the way it ties in, you know, there's no compromise between the two. If one is real, the other must be false. And it's all about this sense of identification. Am I mind or am I a body? And then it, the body is still here, like Jesus is saying beautifully in, on the next page, if I can turn the page, where it says, um, salvation does not ask that you behold the spirit and perceive the body not. And it, it is like a, a divided attention or or another way to say it would be one permeating attention that holds both worlds together. And um, to very gently hold the sense of the presence of mind or spirit while experiencing this phenomenon of space-time and the feelings the body has the confusion the body has, the you know the just its psychological goings on, and then here's here's this realm of mind that's alive. Um, it's a beautiful section. Um, let me see if there was something else. There's so many nice things in here. Uh, I, I think I'm done. Thanks. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. You're welcome. Good morning, this is Sandra, and my understanding of this is that um, until I'm able to forgive completely, and that's doing my forgiveness work, um, and eliminate the dream of conflict, um, I'm... It's, it's, it's like that's the requirement for me in order to have the atonement and, and experience the atonement. And, and that is why I'm here on this planet is to go to this school called Earth School that helps me to eliminate... Uh, that, is, that the school, the way that you graduate from this Earth School is to eliminate any dream of conflict. Um, and, you know, there's been times in the past couple of years I've had a somewhat of a dark night of the soul. Um, um, and my understanding, you know, and there's been times where I'm like, I've said, I don't want to come back here. But my understanding is until I can forgive everything, until I've learned the lesson 
that I came here to learn, which was forgiveness, which will end all conflict, that I will be coming back here. So um, this is a great motivation for me to do the work that I came here to do. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Great description of the journey. Thank you. Good morning, it's Harrison. Um, sometimes when I read the text, there seems to be contradictions, um, in this case from paragraph to paragraph, perhaps um, you all can help me with this. Um, in 63, he says in the second sentence, if you choose to see the body, you, be, you behold the world of separation, unrelated things, and happiness, and happiness, that makes no sense at all. And he goes on to say this one appears and disappears and death, that one is doomed to suffering and loss. Um, and on and on, clearly, it seems to me he's saying that that's a choice for me. Uh, to see all those things. And then, 64, he says, salvation does not ask that you behold the spirit and perceive the body not. It merely asks that this should be your choice. So I'm not quite sure how those two fit together. Um, he's saying, I'm not asked to behold the spirit and perceive the body, not. Um, do I, is it one or the other? And what he seems to be saying here is that I can behold the spirit and perceive the body at the same time. And then he says it merely asks that this should be my choice. Is he saying here that 
I can choose to behold the spirit or perceive the body. So perhaps uh, that's clear to someone else. It's not quite clear to me. Still working on it. I'm complete. Boy, aren't we Thank, you, Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. I haven't read the entire. I didn't, and I didn't listen carefully to what the preceding paragraph was. But what I'm getting is that it sounds to me like I am to seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, to choose the spirit, and when I reach for the king, the whole or the queen. The whole kingdom or queendom becomes mine. So therefore, choose the spirit. Seek ye first. And seek ye only. Because that's the source of all that is real, all that is beautiful, all that is love. So for me, it's all about priority, choosing, feeding the one that, you know, the, the, the old story about the Indian chief. Choosing choosing the uh, the spirit. I'm complete. Thanks, Steve. And you know, guys, maybe taking this very question into our top of the hour holy reflection uh, is a really great thing to do right now. So I asked earlier if there was someone who'd like to volunteer to lead our reflection this morning as Brand is with her brother at a physician appointment. Uh, would anyone like to um, lead us off? Are you asking, does Fran read the lesson? Is that how? Yeah, is that Fran is gone this morning. Fran can't be with us this morning, so I'm looking for someone to volunteer to do that with us or lead us on. I can read Lesson 333 if you'd like. I'd like that, Steve. That, Maybe pick up that a all, couple of things. Is that all? Just pick, is that all I need Maybe to? pick up a. Maybe pick up a couple of ideas from what is the ego. Oh, okay. If you If you like. Got it. Yeah, what is the ego? The ego is insane. In fear it stands beyond the everywhere apart from all. In separation from the infinite. It is insane. Good to remember. You will only... You will... One lily of forgiveness changed the darkness into light. The altar to allusions to the shrine of life itself. You will. One lily of forgiveness changes the darkness into light. And peace will be restored forever. To the holy minds which God created as his son 
his dwelling place, his joy, his love, completely his, completely one with him. The ego is idolatry, separation, illusion. The ego is insane. And then we go into the lesson 333. Forgiveness. Forgiveness ends the dream of conflict here. Conflict must be resolved. It cannot be evaded. Conflict cannot be set aside or denied or disguised or seen somewhere else. Conflict cannot be called by another name nor hidden by deceit of any kind if it would be escaped. Conflict must be seen exactly as it is, where it is thought to be, in the reality which has been given it and with the purpose that the mind accorded it. But only then are conflict's defenses lifted and the truth can shine upon it as it disappears, disappears. Forgiveness ends the dream of conflict here. Father, Mother, God, forgiveness is the light. You sh chose to shine away all conflict and all doubt and light the way for our return to you. No light but this can end our evil dreams. No light but this can save the world. For this alone will never fail. This forgiveness will never fail in anything being your gifts to your beloved child. That's it. Sit with that. Choosing one loving, forgiving spirit right now. Few breaths of silence. This light of forgiveness penetrates to my DNA, deep in my cells, cells, to beyond the cells into the spirit. This is complete healing. This is the delight of light brought to all fears, dis-ease, washed completely from a pre-cellular level to a cellular level, to every cell and tissue of my body, everything, including washed in the pureness of truth, love, spirit, forgiveness reigns. Amen. And I'm complete.
Amen. Then thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thank for you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Terrorism, the dream of conflict here. There is the problem. The solution is forgiveness. So how did we get here? Ken Watnick said that the world originated with a thought of fear. The source of conflict that is the root of all dreams. The world originated with the tiny man idea. When I thought that I could be separate from God and and as a result of that thought, the fear of God was realized. The idea that somehow God would seek vengeance for my thinking that I could be separate from him and in effect equal with him. That I could create a world that rifled the world that he had created. And as a result, in my dream of separation, arose the idea of fear. Fear did not exist before that. And in truth, it still does not exist. But I thought it did. And still think it does. I fear someone, something outside me. Watnick wrote, there will be to attack clearly in conflict with my will, which I perceive to be loving and peaceful. 
I decided in that moment of insanity that I could create a world that was loving and peaceful. But it's impossible to be in this world as a body without concept. So the essence of physical life is rooted in the wrong mind's principle of one or the other. Or as Charles Darwin put it, survival of the fittest. So how do I get out of this conundrum that I created? It's only through forgiveness. When I step outside the dream with Jesus, that I realize the illusory nature of the ego's thought system of separation and conflict. This lesson emphasizes the resolution of the problem of ego conflict in the mind. That's the only place conflict can be. There is no conflict in the world, although that's what the TV would tell me. That's what the newspapers would tell me. There's no conflict in the mind. Unless I choose to allow it to be there. And therein lies my problem. I can choose conflict. And I have chosen conflict And so I needed a remedy. And the remedy is forgiveness. He says conflict must be resolved. It can't be evaded. It can't be set aside, denied, disguised, seen somewhere else. If it would be escaped. must be seen exactly where it is, as it is, where it's thought to be in the reality which has been given it. Jesus tells me that the basic conflict is between illusion and the truth. That is the basis of all 
conflict that seems to exist. The conflict of the ego with God. It's in it's operating all the time. And we can't resolve it by trying to fix the world, to change the world. The only place we can resolve this conflict that presents itself in many different ways, conflicts, within individuals, within families, within political parties, within nations, within ourselves. I can't resolve it outside. I can't resolve it where it didn't arise. I can only resolve this conflict at its source. And that's the mind's decision to be an ego. Jesus asked, would you rather be right than happy? So he's indicating to me that I chose not to be happy by joining with the ego, creating the ego, and instead of aligning with the Holy Spirit. I can't resolve my conflicts in the world. No one can. There will never be lasting peace in the world. If I'm looking for that, I will be sorely disappointed. The world wasn't made to be peaceful. The ego thought system does not allow for that. So I need to see where that conflict is. I have to stop looking outside of myself to find it. It's in my mind, chosen by my mind. And once my mind has chosen conflict, I decide that it's not in my mind. I project it. I project it outside of me, and I don't take responsibility for it. And if I don't take responsibility for it, it can't be fixed. It can't be undone. 
So Jesus, and of course, says, all right, don't use your eyes. Use my eyes so that you can learn what the true source of conflict is. It's not outside. It's not between people. It's not between governments. It's not between religions. It's not between the races. But it's in the mind that believes it can exist only through conflict. Rooted in its belief, it has waged war with God, defeated God, and now must avoid his inevitable retaliation. The process of healing begins with our external perceptions. And Jesus helps us see that these are just the outside picture of an inward condition. So I acknowledge that I see war. I acknowledge that I see conflict between individuals, even between myself and others. But what I have to come to recognize is that it's an outside picture of an inward condition. I wrote something at some point and I regret the lesson. And I'll close with this. Bring the darkness of conflict to the light of forgiveness. End my mind. What I perceive as conflict outside is a projection of conflict inside. And that conflict inside is my war with God. Thank you. I'm complete. Powerful, Harrison. Thank you. So great. Thank you so much, Harrison. Deep thinking. Thanks, Harrison. Excellent. Thank you, Harrison. Yeah, I got some I got some thoughts about this. <coughs> Excuse me. Um yeah, the um ending the dream in the in the title of the lesson, three thirty three didn't escape me either. Um, <laughs> forgiveness ends the dream, and that it's a dream of conflict. Um, um, what is one cannot be in conflict with itself. And um, that the conflict is within me is something that's, that's um, been taught through um, Christ through the Holy Spirit 
calling upon the Holy Spirit um, time and time and time and holy instant after holy instant. And the, the recognizing that Spirit in the first line of the text, it says, I see the flesh. I can see the flesh. I've always seen the flesh. I've looked at many a good specimen being a nurse and many a bad specimen, you know, the field of, of good and evil and um, good health and, and sickness. And, you know, that um, to see with the body's eyes is to judge. It's inherently evaluative and judgmental. It separates um, and divides distinctions from each other, making things other than the one self, itself. And um, But the difference between seeing, perceiving the flesh, the difference between perception or rec- recognizing the spirit, recognizing the spirit, is that I can't see the spirit alone. I cannot, as an ego, recognize recognize spirit. I have to accept the gift of vision from God as God's gift to me. I have to acknowledge my oneness with the one mind of God in order to recognize myself as spirit. To see my brothers and my sisters who I want to see without guilt. I want to see without pain. I want to see without judgment. To end the dream and the dream of all that pain and suffering and sickness, dying and death, war and conflict, um, anger and vengeance, and all that evil, evil thoughts, hateful thoughts, conflicting thoughts. Nothing I want for myself do I, do I, do I choose for my, my sisters and my brother. Only peace and joy and happiness. In order to recognize that, I had to, pick. I had to choose that one choice, which is a choiceless choice, (laughs) and is the easiest walk in the park when I decide that I want to see only the truth, Um, and that salvation comes to me in in undoing the concepts, the concepts of being a separate, a separate a separate part, uh, a particular, um, you know, and, and, and holding distinctions and differences in judgment and evaluating them as one being more valuable, more meaningful, um, or less important, less significant, or less valuable. Um, you know that... There's none of that going on in spirit. Our spirit looks at everything equally in its sustain. And this is where um, the choice becomes, in, in what Harrison brought up, it is, it is my choice. So I can see the body without help, but I do not understand how to behold a whole world apart from it. How does, the, and this line really, really fascinated me that I didn't I didn't understand and I could recognize I didn't understand how what I saw arose to meet my sight how did all this come to be perceived how is it that this came to be perceived and 
you know, this is where the responsibility of sight and, and inner conflict and inner opposition, being in conflict to the totality of God's reality becomes really important to me. I, I can't see a world, an innocent world, unless I see through constant, constant vision, through the constant forgiving eyes, the loving eyes of Christ, the innocent ageless, ageless eyes that sees no evil. And that became really fascinating to me. How do I see through the eyes of innocence? I can't restore my innocence to myself. I couldn't. The book told me so. I had to use the means. The means were given to me, and it would be easy because God would do it for me. Christ would do it for me, and the Holy Spirit would do it for me. And this is my will, my will being joined with my Father, that everyone be happy, joyous, and free with me in heaven and on earth. This is forever true. So what I think about myself as being a body and separate, it doesn't matter. None of the thoughts about what I think about myself matter. And it doesn't matter what I look upon or what I choose to think or wish or feel. God says my will is going to be done. My will is his will, and that is to be happy, joyous, and free. So what do I do? I relax. God's in charge. (laughs) He's in charge of everything I see, everything I see, everything I think, everything I, I feel and taste and touch and do, and to relax and know who's in charge, who's got the power, who is the one that sees through Christ's vision? It's God. It's God himself. And the pictures, the images, the purpose, the purpose of the body was to make an image, and an image that wasn't of God's making. God didn't make the images of us. That's what the book says. So in my journey, I'm looking at this because I love the bodies. I love a good specimen. I love seeing myself as healthy. And, um, but I've looked upon a lot of unhealthy specimens, and I think, God in his justice. Where is God in his justice? How can this be? Some aren't equal, not in this perception of this world as we see it through the body's eyes. The justice of God and the equality of God's love for us and his creation of us has created us as equal and the same in spirit. And that is changeless and immutable and undistortable, inconceivable. I'm a spirit deathless. Without the promise of corruption, that word purity, thank you, Steve, for doing the lesson, the purity of that forgiven, forgiving eyes, the ageless eyes of forgiveness, that simply sees without judgment the purely innocent, ageless eyes of eternity that sees ourselves as we were created as God. We created us as purely light and purely, purely holy, holy in the whole complete sense of the oneness of us, complete and healed and whole, healed of concepts of ourselves, ideas that we could be something other than how God created us to be. Who is unwelcome? Who need be feared? 
to the kind in heart and the truly innocent. <laughs> this is great. I love this. I've always loved this conflict one because that really took me to the core of my own conflict, my argument with God about who and what I was. I know I have a body, but somehow the perfection of my spirit is what I want to identify with, that I am purely mine, one in the mind of God, and I am seeking the truth and the reality of that. But here I go, here I go again. Ooh, ten minutes, too long. <laughs> I love you, thank you for being here. Yep, there you go again. Thank you, Yeah, thank you, Judy. Thank you. And this is Lemoyne, and uh, I, I, okay, I want to, I want to do this first. Let me just do this first, so I might stay on track. Um, I just want to read the first sentences of some of these paragraphs in order. You see the flesh or recognize the spirit. Salvation is undoing. Salvation does not ask that you behold the spirit and perceive the body not. It merely asks that this should be your choice. And uh, one more. Only in arrogance could I concede that I must make the way to heaven plain. This is getting at the simplicity of salvation, which is undoing. It's not a doing. It's a letting go and undoing. And I I really like the couplet at the beginning of uh, 64 that reminds me directly of of, uh, a thing in practicing the holy instant where he says the necessary for the necessary condition for the holy instant does not require that you have no thoughts which are not pure but it does require that you have none that you would keep and goes directly to innocence is not of your making. You don't have to make it or make it happen in the world. The You know, I see the world, my worldview is built to, to out of the view of separation and shame, that worldview is always going to offer me chances to make errors and and then fall into shame. And it it's as long as I view the world that way, I'm going to stay in in a confusion. I think the compromise that says in the first paragraph, compromise between the two is not possible. But confusion, I think, is the result. So that then I ascribe things of spiritual meaning, like shame, to effects in the world and... <clears throat> appear to be trapped in in a cycle where it's always it's always a risk it's like a tightrope but that's not the way it, you know the underlying reality exists and the thing is to climb down 
if there's a thing to do, it's to climb down out of uh, off of what I built as a worldview and just accept the reality. And so he says the where he says there in my favorite little bit, he says, so you know I don't have to have thoughts that are not. I don't have to have only thoughts that are pure because then I wouldn't need salvation. You know, salvation doesn't ask that we're perfect, that we behold only the spirit and not the body. It merely asks that we would, you know, in that point, moment to moment, that we be willing to make a new choice that is not involved in this world building and putting cause outside myself, but just letting everything be as it is, that then I can behold what actually is <laughs> and behold the spirit in a brother who's trapped in the daily concerns or or more huge ex- existential concerns, whatever it is that has them drawn away from peace. So, you know, I think... It is that the choice of salvation is, it's not, I mean, the salvation itself is not built on these moment-to-moment choices a little bit at a time, but our awareness of it is perhaps built that way. It can take time to undo in time what was done in time. And, And that's, that's not a, an excuse to put off the choice at any particular time, but it is, uh, it is, uh, I think, a recognition that <clears throat> that I've gotten pretty confused in this wish to, you know, understand a world and building a world that is false perception simply because it's incomplete. And I think for me, the recognition that I can't build a perfect picture of the world in my mind um, alone, but it can be given us. And that this is the choice as to whether we continue to struggle against the world that we actually just made up. And I, I say we, uh, there are common aspects. There is a, a collective world that is based on fear, but, uh, you know, our part is not to tear that down, but to just stop throwing the throwing the world into the fire, if you will, <laughs> the real world into that fire. And so, you know, it's, and it is, arrogance to think that I have to fix the world before I'm okay. That's just a promise to stay in confusion. So this is why he warns against arrogance in 65. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I struggle with the with the with the extension, uh, with the uh, 
with the belief that when he says there is no world, that he means there's no physical world. I, I think he means there's no world the way we think of it. That it just doesn't exist. We made it up in in fear and separation, and it's not <clears throat> not real, you know. Because as he says, and the miracle of creation is that it is one forever, and we can't build a world based on judgment and exclusion, separation, and conflict, that that just doesn't match reality. It will only lead to confusion. I think this is it. It's confusion. You know? And it's like, really, it's be not concerned how this could ever be. You know? Um, The point is we can't understand how what we see arose to meet our sight. For if we did, it would be gone. But the point here is not mastery of evil, but mastery of love. And uh, and not like mastery, like I run the show and and control it. But the you know the, the to understand that that's what is really happening is that it really is all one on the level of being, and that's what brought a physical world into being and that it's easy enough in the, in our individuated form to take it all personally and make a particular worldview. But I think the the choice to really be willing to be shown the truth is the way out. The truth exists. That salvation is not something we have to do or it wouldn't be salvation. That salvation doesn't demand that we're perfect or it wouldn't be salvation. And that the salvation exists because the truth and an underlying reality of unity exists. And, you know, his recommendation here is to uh, view ourselves as spirit and not a body. We are what animates the body and directs it, not a product of that learning device. (laughs) And incomplete. Thank you. You made some good points. I want to talk about one of them. Um, This is Ida. Good morning, everybody. Um, I don't think it's necessarily arrogant to believe that you have to you know, change the world or save the world or heal the world where you can change or heal or save yourself. Um, The Buddhists have the idea of the Bodhisattva. And the Bodhisattva is the one who stays in the world and doesn't 
I guess, die or reincarnate or leave the world until it doesn't matter if they're just saved. The Bodhisattva will not leave the world until everyone is saved. It's like, like if God forbid there's a fire in my house, saving everybody in my house and getting them all out instead of just running out there myself. It can be an expression of love. Um, and I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. This is Donna. I love the Bodhisattva idea. That's that's holy. I I found some. First of all, I I didn't make much um, growth as long as I tried to forgive others, forgive myself, and go that route. So I began to remind myself that what I already knew, I can't do it. And, and to realize the Holy Spirit's with me. The Holy Spirit, perfect good, guides, guards, and governs me. And so um, I found some scriptures actually came to my mind, so I found them. And the first one is John 5.30. And uh, Jesus is um, speaking. And he says, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. And then in John 16, 7 through 12, the disciples are all sad. And I'm happy because Jesus is letting them know he's, he's going to be leaving. And so he says to them in seven, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Holy the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believeth not on me. Of righteousness, righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judgment. And I understand that now to be our wrong thinking, or the ego. And I've been looking for this verse for ages and could not find it. And the, uh, John sixteen twelve, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. So I just thought that was, that was pertinent. And also about forgiveness and about judgment. Uh, Psalms 23, uh, it, it tells us where we're walking. He says, it says, we are, we are led in the path of righteousness for his name sake. So this 23rd Psalm validates our truth of being. And, and I popped over to the lesson when, when uh, Laurie said there wasn't, uh, the fan wasn't available. 
and I had hoped somebody was because I didn't want to do it. I was I better hop over in case I do volunteer. And I saw um, I saw forgiveness. And I didn't see the dream till the word dream until we actually did did the lesson. But uh, so what came to me was you you don't need forgiveness if you give up judgment. Judgment makes a need forgiveness. So uh, judgment makes a need forgiveness not necessary. <clears throat> so because once you've given up judgment, then you stop blaming and and making others guilty and making yourself guilty. So, uh, and and there's no reason. So, when we give out judgment, makes a need for forgiveness not necessary, because now you've given up the things that starts the ball rolling. But, however, in, in, uh, it is inevitable due to our perception that, uh, that remains in us and others that we might have to dabble in forgiveness to remind ourselves, oh, wait a minute, I can't, forgiveness is not necessary if I just stop judging, which was the lesson that I began to learn living in this place for two years. So, um, so um, we have the Holy Spirit, and if I'm understanding right, Jesus uh, says the Holy Spirit is literally in us when we are in our perfect place, that it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit became an individual when, uh, the, the, when God created him. At the end of this story, it says, you know, God didn't make it, it didn't happen. So, um, so, and the other thing, the thing is good about understanding that we don't need forgiveness if we, if we stop judging is that when we do give forgiveness, it implies that someone is more or less in value. How can I judge you? You're per- how can I forgive you? You're perfect. You know, and in essence, how can I forgive myself? I'm perfect. All I got to do is stop judging who you are, quote, unquote, and who I am and know who we are. So um, it helps shorten or eliminate the step of forgiving. So uh, those two, those scriptures, I think just really, really, Psalms 23, uh, probably verse 3. John 6, 7 through 14, and, and John 5, 30. But also the 12th, where Jesus said, I have many things to tell you, but you could not bear to hear them now. And that is the course of miracles. <laughs> I am complete. Praise the Lord. Love you all. Of you too. Thank you. Thank you for the love, Dana.
Lori? Thank you, Donna. Did we lose Lori? Lori, you're on mute. I I am sorry. I was on mute just talking away. Just talking away. Good heavens. Um, and that means that no one whom I thanked heard me thank them. So I'm very sorry about that. I get confused on this mute button sometimes. Anyway, Donna, you just um, restated something really beautiful from... Uh, chapter 26 in the section where sin has left it says forgiveness is this world's equivalent of heaven's justice it translates the world of sin into a simple world where justice and remember justice is all God's love and more and more and more a simple world where justice can be reflected from beyond the gate behind which total lack of limits lies nothing in boundless love could need forgiveness and with charity within the world gives way to simple justice past the gate that opens into heaven no one forgives unless he has believed in sin and still believes that he has much to be forgiven forgiveness thus becomes the means by which he learns he has done nothing to forgive and here's here's the linchpin forgiveness always rests upon the one who offers it until he sees himself as needing it no more and thus as he returned to his real function of creating which his forgiveness offers him again isn't that beautiful always rests upon the one who offers it yeah I remember when um, I think it's been about six years now since I first came to this call and I remember how desperately I, I wanted to speak the same language and so I thought okay uh, here's a way I can do that I will I will open a journal and I will collect definitions of forgiveness as I go along in what I read and what I hear and what I read from course of love and I'll I'll just write down every definition of forgiveness that I come across and uh, <laughs> it was an impossible task um, it was an impossible task because forgiveness is simply the removal of what I thought before that's all it is and the great thing about forgiveness is one the ego cannot do it and two by allowing it to be done I learn I'm not an ego it's just really that simple to me conflict he says in this work is always conflict between illusions if I'm having conflict with a person I've made myself an illusion and I've made that person an illusion too if I have conflict with pain in my body I've made myself a body and I've made my pain real uh, there's no end to the conflict that exists between illusions and that's what makes the world this world what it is but if I want to escape this world 
<laughs> and I'll get back to that. Um, I will let forgiveness rest on me. And when it rests on me, it rests on everyone and everything. Because the total forgiveness, it, it, here's the, the thing to recognize. In the holy instant, by accepting atonement for myself, I recognize that God never condemned me, therefore never judged me. And if he never judged me, there's nothing to forgive. And the recognition there's nothing to forgive, the awareness of holiness is restored to my mind. And the wonderful thing about holiness, he says way back in review number one, my mind is part of God's, I am very holy. And I can picture only thoughts I hold about myself. Now, how does that do me any good? Well, if I start seeing something unworthy of me, that is to say, conflict in anything or anyone, with anything or anyone, I've lost the notion of my truth by losing the notion of that person's truth, that one's truth. By gaining the knowledge of that one's truth, I gain knowledge of my own. And that matched pair, that, that reflectivity, is what restores my mind to holiness. And it's also the way in which I lose it. In other words, what I see is only a reflection of what I think I am. And you said that very well, uh, Harrison and I'm grateful for the way you said it. I can picture only thoughts I hold about myself. That's why the atonement is the first lesson and the last lesson and the only lesson. The one miracle that contains all miracles. Now, in practice, <laughs> I'll tell you how it works for me. And I appreciated the way you highlighted Paragraph 64 of Lemoyne. Salvation asks, not that you behold the body, not... Or I'm going to say it exactly the way you said it. Salvation does not ask that you behold the spirit and perceive the body, not. It merely asks that this should be your choice. And I've told this story before, but I think it's so perfect for what we're talking about. Um, and I'll be as brief as I can but I don't want to lose any of the details. Um, we, we have a, our house was built sometime in the 70s and not in a very good way at the time, the way they were building. But anyway, um, we decided it would be really important that we have an insurance policy for defects uh, that occur in the home. And if something really bad goes wrong, why we can call some people for help. And so um, the water heater went out a couple years ago. And the insurance company makes the selection of who you call for help. And generally, they make that choice on the basis of who offers to do the job for the least amount of money. Okay, so I made the call. And here come um, these people from across the river, from Iowa. And it was a father and son. And um, the father treated the son very terribly. And they asked me about the specifications for the plumbing that needed to be fixed as if I should know. And so I'm getting a little edgy about all this and I'm thinking, this isn't going to turn out well. That was the ego. 
and I decided I didn't want to see it that way because it disturbed me so greatly um, both to see uh, the situation like this to see the father and son like this and to see the problem like this I didn't want that I wanted a different choice now if it were up to the ego the ego would never ever have been able to uh, release the judgment of all the stuff I saw in that situation all the stuff my ego saw in that situation but I chose differently because I couldn't stand it and as a consequence of that choosing differently I will just go to the end of the story we had a beautiful water heater the father and the son seemed to have resolved their differences with each other um, when they came here they were very uh, unconfident that they could do the job um, and their fear was just all over them but when they left they left feeling competent and complete and I left feeling complete salvation doesn't ask that I behold the spirit and perceive the body not it merely asks that this should be your choice and when I look back at what is forgiveness that section what is forgiveness before lesson 221 it says do nothing then look and wait and judge not look and wait and judge not look and wait and judge not and then and then let forgiveness show you what to do through him who is your guide your savior and defender strong in hope and certain of your ultimate success he has forgiven you already for such as his function given him by God now must you share his function and forgive give whom he has saved whose sinlessness he sees and whom he honors as the Son of God and that very large man who could hardly walk down the stairs and his son who was treated so spitefully became the Son of God to me simply that that was my choice I didn't I couldn't have done that except that I let forgiveness show me what to do through him who is your guide ego could never ever forgive and if I think that I have to do that on my own um, I will place myself in a position of separation from truth and conflict will be my my experience with everything but when I look and wait and judge not conflicts disappear I come to understand that all conflict is conflict among illusions and that all conflict is a consequence of my mistaken seeing that's all my erroneous seeing the atonement is the correction of the errors in my mind and the wonderful thing about forgiveness is that it rides a horse called miracle and that's absolutely the truth when I allow forgiveness to rest upon what I see mistakenly I receive a miracle instead and what is a miracle what is a miracle except that gift of God that removes the error in my seeing the ego isn't real it's a device 
but I seem to invest with reality and it steals my life away it steals my love away it steals all reality from me but when I let forgiveness rest upon my sight behold <laughs> the miracle is that I couldn't see and now I see and what do I see except a reflection of my own holiness and so the great gift of these few little paragraphs to me one two three four five six is in the key you need not understand how this is done that's code that is code right there you need not understand how this is done to me is code to go back and look at the miracle principles and lo and behold I find that for paragraph 64 when I make that choice I've discovered that a miracle is the natural expression of total forgiveness and what I saw before is no longer there for me to see forgiveness asks only that this should be my choice the faith the belief the vision all are given but for my choice to align with truth and not the ego um, Christ's vision is the bridge between the worlds he says the, the thought system of the ego and the thought system of truth and in the thought system of truth everything shows up as love and loving and lovable everything myself included um anyway I, I think I'm complete thank you everybody thank you Laurie transformative such beautiful light that was great Laurie thank you thank you Laurie I'm so glad I was able to come back and listen to that Thank you, Lori. That was That's great. Um, everybody have a good day. I'm going to say bye-bye now. Thanks. Bye-bye, Ida. Oh, we did go over time. Um, I apologize. Bye, That's okay. Bye. Well, let's see here. Does anybody have a thought they would like to end this call with? How about God is love and so are we? I am complete. That is perfect. That is perfect. Thank you, Donna. And thank you, everyone. Maybe just this last paragraph. Are you a spirit? deathless and without the promise of corruption and the stain of sin upon you so the world is soon as stable fully worthy of your trust a happy place to rest in for a while where <laughs> nothing need be feared but only loved who is unwelcome to the kind in heart and what could hurt the truly innocent your will be done you holy child of God it does not matter if you think you are in earth or heaven what your father wills for you can never change the truth in you remains as radiant as a star as pure as light 
as innocent as love itself and you are worthy that your will be done amen thank you all for bearing with the length <laughs> I think it was worthy thank you everybody thank you Lord. <laughs>